This is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. 32 Sounds is an immersive documentary and sensory experience from Oscar-nominated and award-winning director Sam Green. The film explores the phenomenon of sound and its power to bend time, cross borders, and shape our perception of the world around us. Join us as we talk with Sam about his groundbreaking visual essay dedicated to sound with music by J.D. Sampson. Stay tuned. Sam Green, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Good. Very good. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well. And uh, just wanted to remind our uh, listeners and watchers that uh, uh, Sam's just, uh, well, was just uh, released, or they're going to have a theatrical release of, uh, of his film 32 Sounds with music by J.D. Sampson, nationwide theatrical release in the U.S. on April 28th. Any global plans are you aware of yet? Yeah, we're working on it. We have a company who is doing international distribution, and we'll see where that goes. Okay, well, um, keep keep an eye out on this, and for our listeners based and viewers based in the U.S., do do check this out. Um, What... Maybe get us started. What is it? Maybe give us a synopsis. What is 32 Sounds all about? 32 Sounds is a kind of essay film documentary about sound, which is a huge and ungainly topic. And it uses <laughs> the device of just 32 different sounds as a kind of way to structure a meditation about sound. And by thinking and talking about sound and exploring sound, the film touches on all sorts of other issues like time and time passing and the mm. oddness of our experience as people. Okay. And how did you decide to make a film about sound? I mean, you just wake up one day and say, you know, <laughs> this ungainly subject is one that deserves a documentary treatment. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> That's the movie version of it, you know. <laughs> it's, okay. um, it's almost hard to remember, but I, I made a film. The previous film I made was about the Kronos Quartet. Right, and they're a great classical yeah. ensemble, and and it it got me thinking a lot about sound and also sound in the context of cinema, and how sound works in the context of cinema, and so all that was in my head. And then the pandemic started. It was right March of twenty twenty, yeah, oh. and um, <laughs> all my screenings were canceled. I had a lot of time on my hands, and um, I read a book. And there was a reference in the book, a line that said, Anea Lockwood, a composer, right. uh, has recorded the sound of rivers for more than 50 years. And that sentence just intrigued me. I'd never heard of right. this person, Anea Lockwood. But I love the sound of rivers. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And so I just started looking into mm. who this Anea Lockwood person was. And I was knocked out by her music and her art. She's been making work for about 60 years. And uh, it was early, the early pandemic, so I, I found her website and I just emailed her. And I said, hi, I'm, I'm interested in sound. Could we talk sometime? And she said, how about this afternoon? <laughs> and, uh, you know, nobody was doing anything back right, in right. those days. And so we struck up a Skype email conversation that lasted several months and mm. in some ways still lasts to this day. But... She was a great muse, and she's so smart. She's a sort of central person in the movie, and yeah, wonderful spirit, smart as heck about sound, 
thoughtful, makes great work, you know, just a real, a real muse for me. And so that was the, the spark of the, of the movie in a way. And you've made a short about her, haven't you? But that, was yeah. that, is that, was that separate? I mean, not separate, but was that the initial intent or it just has kind of fallen out of do- doing this? It sort of fell out of doing this. There was a Scottish music festival that asked yeah. me if I would make a little video about her. And I said, sure. I, th- I yeah, would, thought I would yeah. do it in a weekend and it ended up being 30 minutes long. You know, it was, yeah. it's, yeah. so that was sort of a side, side little spinoff thing. Okay. And so what were your thoughts going into this project? I mean, you started talking with Anea Lockwood, but uh, yeah. do you have a, generally, and maybe specifically this project, do you have a story arc in mind, or do you just kind of dive in and see where things things take you? It's it's a bit more of the latter. I, I The way I tend to work is I am sort of magnetized by something, mm. an image or a line in a book or a story, you know, something and, and somehow, you know, I'll sort of poke around this hap- I'm a curious person. So I'm often looking into yeah. things, but mostly it just is a one time affair and that's it. But sometimes something will kind of just get under my skin and percolate and I kind of keep coming back to it. And it, you get more and more interested and that leads to other things and it just starts to snowball. And that's what this did. And at first, in my own process, at least, I, it's hard to know what it's about. Why am I so interested in in sound? You know, and over time, you you begin to understand your motivations, and it's it's almost as you make a film, you make a film to understand why you're right. why you're compelled by that subject. So, with this, it was certainly that. I mean, I love sound, and there's a ton of interesting sounds and mm-hmm. stories about sounds. But in a way, this project is more and comes out of deeper feelings than that. I mean, you were saying, I think it's even a, you, you mentioned it in the film towards the end, uh, not to give anything away, but, uh, um, you know, I think a friend says, uh, you know where this is, do you know where this yeah. is leading you? And you say, I have no idea. And <laughs> and she said, told well, me, you know, which was like a pretty, yeah. I, that's a verbatim quote, you know, that conversation, that dialogue is just verbatim the way it happened. And, Sometimes the people in your life see things that you, you more clearly than you can see it, and that, that certainly was the case here. And so what do we, I mean, so let's talk about sound. Uh, what yeah. do we, you know, um, what, I guess there's, well, as you say, it's this very ungainly subject, or could be, um, but maybe what do we get wrong about sound, do you think? Well, sound, I think it's funny because each of the senses is unique and yeah. has its own qualities, and... But I think with visual, with seeing and visual things, they're all very familiar and we, we talk about them, the image, we understand the way our relationship to the image and it, it's pretty out there and there's a language for it and a long conversation about visual matters. People have written many books, but sound is odd and you are a person who traffics and sound. I'm sure you've thought of this. Um, mm. Sound is mysterious and it's hard to put your finger on it. And it's, I mean, just by its very nature, it's ephemeral. If you have mm. a painting, it's on the wall, right. you go to sleep, you come back and it's the same painting on the same wall. And a, and a lot of the visual world is that. Sound is time and air and it's gone. And until very recently when we re- could record things, it truly was ephemeral. And so 
it's mysterious in that sense and it works on us in odd ways and I, there's not a lot of language for it either i mean there's some clunk in my own experience there's some clunky language you know like sound is universal it brings us all together or just some sort of right. cliches like that right. but real insight about sound is rare i think so i liked it for that reason and and just the kind of mysterious nature of it and the powerful the way it works in a powerful way i say this in a film but you can see a photo of somebody you've you've loved right. who's gone and you remember them in some way what they looked like but if you hear that person's voice they're right in front of you you can feel them you can mm -hmm. smell them you could feel how they would feel if you gave them a hug you know so so sound really is 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 a different kind yeah. of transport i think yeah no and i had i hadn't even thought of this but i think but at the same time with memory, at least for me, speaking personally, yeah. visual memory sticks with me more than oral or audio in some ways. I mean, mm. I, I will remember someone's face better than I would remember maybe yeah. their voice. You for know? sure. Well, it's hard to, yeah, I don't, it must be the way the brain works or something, that you can keep an image in your head and a voice is slipperier, slipperier you know, yeah. it just kind yeah. of dissipates. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll talk more about sound, but we're going to give our listeners and viewers a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, Sam Green, the director and editor of 32 Sounds, with music by J.D. Sampson. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Sam Green, director and editor of 32 Sounds. Includes music by J.D. Sampson, and it's having a nationwide, in the U.S., theatrical release on April 28th. Um, we were talking about sound, um, and, you know, so we're talking about... Uh, Oh, well, I asked you, oh, what do we get wrong or what we do we not understand? I mean, what is it? I think one thing that also you, and it kind of where you come to with it, in, in, it's in the, in the film as well, is so, sort of how it shapes us, but also, you know, this idea of, and you've said it's already very, you know, it's ephemeral, lost sounds. I think we're just, it strikes me that we're in a world where we're getting more and more noise, but we're hearing less and less. Yeah. Is that is that a fair you think assumption? I would say it's true. I mean, in a way, those are two sides of the same coin because the more we're bombarded by noise, the more we need to close our ears just right. out of self-protection. But it is true. I mean, I think at least like I live in New York City. I think New York City was much louder, you know, 100 years ago than it is now, actually. In some right. ways, I think cities have gotten quieter. But, you know, there's, there's the interesting thing now is you go into any store, restaurant, the elevator, there's music. You know, it's very hard mm. to find silence these days right. or relative silence, I think. There's a lot it, of clutter, sonic clutter. And, and you're, you know, um, probably when you're trying to pitch this to uh, broadcasters or whatever, or whatever, they may not want to hear this, but your, your, your film has a lot of silence in it. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's unairable on television, really, because even there's a right. lot of black, you know, nothing on the screen. And I yeah. think 
it's a rule in TV, like you can't have more than twenty frames of black, you know, or something right. like that. Right, so. right. And uh, and you have the you know reference to not just reference, but the thing about John Cage and other. I mean, yeah. I think isn't there even people have even said Silence is another. I'm not. That's not the right uh, phrase for it, but it's it is another sound, isn't it? I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's it's it's it's. It's trite, but there is no such thing as silence. I mean, you right. You could go into an anechoic chamber, but you know, mm. if you're sitting on right now, there's a ton of a universe of sound even in in our conversation here. So, how does someone like yourself, who makes uh, your living in a visual medium, go about making a film about sound? <laughs> A lot of head scratching. A lot of yeah. head scratching. No, uh, to me, it was a great creative challenge. Yeah. You know, because film is so predominantly visual. And I do think it's true. You can only really focus on one sound sense at a time. Mm. If you're looking intently, you're not listening intently and vice versa. So most of the time with film, you're looking intently. It's a, it's a medium for the eye, really. So how to scramble that, how to turn that on its head was one of the great creative challenges. And I do like, I mean, I, I for myself, really like films that surprise you or hmm. you don't know where they're going. That's a great pleasure and a rare pleasure for me in cinema. So to try to scramble the normal engagement with the movie was fun. I, like, I would like to be an audience member being scrambled myself. Right, right, and and so that was uh, going. You know, it's not just uh, for our listeners. So uh, it's not just a film about sound. It's a it's an immersive experience, isn't it? Or ideally, um, yeah. And so I didn't have the fortune of seeing it in uh, a theater or a cinema, hmm. but uh, I did listen. But if on you wore headphones, yeah, I did. So I think that's actually a great way to see these days. You know, there's some thought of like, oh, no, if you're watching it at home, that's a second-rate experience to sitting in a theater. But watching at home with headphones is a very intimate and powerful way to watch something. And there is that thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say this in a judgmental way. I've watched movies and checked my email and stuff like right, that. And, right. you know, that's not the kind of engagement I'm looking for here. But the idea that one is at home with headphones. I think that can be a, a striking way to watch a movie. And somebody I know who, who I respect a lot, a filmmaker, said to me recently, I watch all movies now on my phone. And I said, oh, no, that's like, what? That's <laughs> terrible. And he said, no, look. He picked up his phone. He said, I lie on my bed with headphones and put the phone right there. So it's like I'm in an IMAX theater. <laughs> I thought, that's actually pretty great. You know, the image is really big. You've got headphones on. You, you are in an IMAX theater. So there's a lot of great ways to watch things, I well, think. Well, I, I will say it makes me feel better. I'm often watching them on a, on a laptop but the, because uh, we've got one good TV in the house and it's usually occupied. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I will say there is something, you know, I have it pretty close. And it also I find I need to have those earphones on to really hear what yeah. is is being said. That, that one thing I did uh, with your film is I watched it, um, and then the second time I, I won't say it was a hundred percent undivided attention, but I just listened to it. I didn't. Mm. I didn't have the. Uh, 
I was doing other things, but I just had the audio on. And oh. that was really interesting. It, I mean, even, you know, even the f- whatever, long periods of silence. Yeah. Um, I mean, you interview someone who's deaf, so there's not much, you know, you know, there, there's, there's silence there as well. But uh, no, it's very interesting. And I think what I found too, uh, I, was, I, I don't know what you're, what you hope people take away, you probably want people to take whatever away, whatever they want to take away from the experience. But uh, I've just found myself in the last 24 hours being very cognizant of every little noise and sound around me in a, in a way that I don't think I had been for a long time, at least. Well, that's music to my ears, to use it terribly clumsy yeah, no pun intended, phrase in this context. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, that actually is... is I'm not one of those filmmakers who wants to change people or change the world right. necessarily. Right. But I do feel like opening your ears is can be incredibly pleasurable and can bring you back to the present and root you in your body, both of which are, are good and, and rare pleasures these days where we're all on devices. So hearing that is, makes me happy because I do think mm. a movie about sound can encourage people to listen in a good way not in not in a way where like you got to do the work and listen it's like no 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 not at all and have a lot of pleasure john cage always said the his favorite sound in the world was the sound of traffic outside his his apartment on sixth avenue and traffic can be an amazing sound if you pay attention um (laughs) but uh, no miles davis miles davis said you know just the sound of sneakers on a basketball court ah he could That's and a he great sound and he got music from in some of his music came was inspired by that wow that's yeah. an awesome sound and it's funny cuz you could play that sound for anybody and people would probably immediately recognize it you know it's a very recognizable sound i mean i love the stuff with the foley artist oh she's great it made me want to be a foley artist me too but <laughs> I, I think being a foley artist is sort of being like a typewriter repair person or you know it's it's not a growth industry at this point but right. she was so wonderful and so smart about sound in her own way yeah i mean things you would have never i mean not to give too much away but just scraping a car door across the uh, across the floor you know it's funny too cuz i realized in filming her in her studio that i think part of being a good foley artist is being a hoarder because it's an excuse to keep anything, you know, like anything, this this bag of dirt, you know, will probably right. come in handy sometime, you know. So she's got like a hundred pairs of shoes and, you know, right. it's right. great. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, uh, it's, there is that, uh, you, you start off with a quote by, um, what's her name? Aggie uh, Merch, is it? Yeah, the quote is actually by Walter Murch. Well, it's by Walter Murch, but yeah. because because Walter the Murch, recording is by Aggie Murch, right, right. Because yeah. he, you know, there was that other. There's that documentary about sound in cinema yeah. that uh, he looms yeah. large in, and, and so yeah. it's very, uh, uh, you know, loads of you know these these people going around just recording all these sounds in nature, just so you have this. I guess before there was like digital libraries of yeah. things, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one thing that uh, you know we don't have that much time left uh with you but uh one thing that uh it comes out also was you say something in there about the difficulty of a music in a film that's about sound yeah uh, and anaya lockwood also sort of uh, you know avoided uh uh music there for a little while for probably different yeah. reasons but 
but yeah, you've got music by J.D. Sampson. So how do you uh, <laughs> how do you get that to work? That was that was hard, and I think I mean it's always a little bit of a tension with with the composer because of course they want the music to fill the movie, you know. Right, and this right. the hard thing was to to really let the sounds have enough space hmm. to be prominent. You know, this can't be, couldn't be a movie where there was a lot of music under the sounds. You know, you sort of need like, right. you can't have the sound of the womb with music under it. So the sounds sort of have to be center stage in a way, and the music has to float around the sounds and infuse them with feeling and also transport us. So it was a little bit of a challenge, and I, I'm, I, JD is very good spirited about it, and I think in the end realizes, wow, this is the right balance, and that's what makes the movie work. But even if it's less music than JD probably would would want in the movie, it's the music that makes it work. If you had this movie without the music, it would be a a pale, you know, version of itself. It didn't. Right. It wouldn't have the emotional valence, and it wouldn't take you places in the way that it does even if the music is subtle okay well um i think that's a good place to to leave this to you know and definitely to tell our audience that uh, do do check this out it's uh 32 sounds um it's uh going for a nationwide release in the u.s theatrical release on april 28th uh sam green we've whom we've been talking with is the director and editor and it includes music by jd Sampson. Sam, thanks so much for joining Factual America. It was a joy having you on. Thank you, Matthew. I really appreciate it. A pleasure talking to you. Pleasure talking with you, and good luck with you. I know you got a big press day ahead of you, so uh, good luck All right. with that. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Right, see you. Bye. I also would like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big shout-out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. Big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. Please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.